The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. As we've been as we've raised our children, um, there were times in all of their lives when we would tell them something, something of importance, like, hey, do this, do that, make sure you don't forget. And inevitably, uh, after a period of time, we'd come back and say, hey, listen, did you do what I asked you to do? And it's like, oh, I forgot. And, and this kept on happening, like, oh, I forgot or it slipped my mind. You parents can relate to that, right? You've, you've said that before. Well, it got so bad, we got to a point where I said this, I pulled all of them aside and said, listen, the most important voice that you ever hear is my voice, your mother's voice. And when you hear it, block everything else out of your mind because that's the most important voice. Listen, pay attention, get it, right? There are a lot of voices today. We hear a lot of voices. We hear them in politics. We hear them in the media. We hear them through uh, social media. We even hear these voices in religion today. But I want to talk to you this morning about a voice that you need to hear. A voice that needs to block out everything in your mind today. And I promise you this, for everyone in this room this morning, this voice is for you. It's the voice of God. It's God speaking through His Word. And so over the next few minutes, what I'd like you to do is this. I'd like you to block everything out but this voice, because the God that we serve is the God who is speaking. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. The writer of Hebrews said this, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And what the writer is reminding the reader here is this, that all through history, this God who is eternal, immortal, the only wise God, the Holy One, is a God who has revealed Himself. He's taken great pains to reveal Himself to His people today. And He said in different ways, at different times, God has done this. He did it through our fathers, talking about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And He did it through the prophets, not only them speaking, but the prophetic books and the historical books. He said, God has revealed Himself. Listen this morning, the God of heaven is a talking God. He has revealed Himself. He wants to be known. He wants you to know Him. But the writer goes on. He says, this God hath in these last days spoken to us. We hear that term last days and it's, it's kicked around quite a bit today. It says, last days, are we living in the last days? Is this the zombie apocalypse? Is this, is this the last days? And the answer to that is yes. That term encompasses the time from the first coming of Christ until the second return. We are living in the last days. The writers of Scripture, first century, believe that. It's true today. We are waiting for the return of Christ. These are the last days. And here's what the writer says. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. 
who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He hath by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The writer says this, God has spoken, God is speaking, but in finality, through His Son, He has fully revealed Himself. It's interesting how He's revealed Himself because this is central to all Scripture. If you want to know what this book is about, I mean, I mean the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation, I'm going to tell you this morning, from cover to cover, the revelation is this, that God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for our sins according to Scripture. It's here. That's what it's about. And the Gospel of Jesus Christ is central. It is central to all divine revelation. And that's what the writer is telling us this morning. And it's imperative for us to get that. What is this all about? It's all about the gospel. All of it. Why we gather here, why we come, why we worship, why we serve. It's all about Him and what He's done. When I first came here, I remember going out with Mr. Prasad. We'd go out every Thursday, every Thursday morning. And even in his older age, you couldn't stop the man. We, we finally had to tell him, you can't go out in the wintertime door to door because he was slipping and falling and hurting himself. He was hard-headed. Right, Ron? Yeah. And so I was driving with him as a, as a young pastor, not here long. And, and I'm sitting next to him and he said, Pastor, I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to tell you about your sermon the other day. Well, that was nice, you know. He's going to tell me how lovely it was, how much he was blessed by it, what an encouragement it was for me to speak you know, to him through my message. And he rebuked me. He, he was talking about a number of things, a number of points. And finally at the end, he just made this statement, something like this. Don't ever leave the power of the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Now I can tell you something, as a young man, that troubled me at first, like, hmm, you know, just rubbed me the wrong way. But wisdom knows what you don't know. And what he was saying was right. A lot of stuff was swirling around. He said, listen, don't leave what this book is about. And the book is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is of the utmost importance. And so this morning I thought it fitting as we, as we sort of dedicate this building back to the Lord, we rededicate it, to speak to this morning about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is central to all divine revelation. The gospel, the euangelion, we get the word evangel or evangelistic. What is it? We, if it's central, we ought to know what it is. Let me tell you what it's not this morning. The gospel is not God loves you. That's, that's not the gospel. Or God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not the gospel. Or if you just add Jesus, He'll make all your wildest dreams come true. That may be Napoleon, dynamite, that is not the gospel at all. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the story of how Jesus Christ came to reconcile man back to God. It's the gospel. I have to be honest with you this morning. Uh, one of the hardest messages for me to preach, always, is the gospel. And I'll tell you why. 
I know the story. You know the story. But I always feel inadequate as I think about the gospel. And I always, when I'm done, I always say, God, I, I can't even express this about your glorious gospel. It gets deeper and deeper and it grows more and more. And so I, I approach this again with, with fear and trepidation. I want to make sure that I explain the gospel clearly. And listen to me. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, Pastor, I got it. I know this. I've, I'm, I'm in already. I don't need this. But listen to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ this morning is for everyone in this building. Every one of us. No matter on what spectrum you find yourself or where you find yourself, it is for you. It is for me. And so I want you to hear now the voice of God when it comes to the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. It's not about us. It's about Him. About Him. And it starts, the life of Jesus anyways, with Him just sort of just stepping into our world like God incarnate in the flesh steps into our world, is born of a virgin. They call Him Emmanuel, God with us. And we say this so often that I think we don't even understand the magnitude of that statement. God with us. He stepped into our world. He invaded our world. He came and He walked among us. Why would he do that? It starts way back in a garden. When God, the loving God, the creator of all things, had perfect fellowship with his people, Adam and Eve, the world was as it was supposed to be. Anybody notice today that the world's really messed up? Anybody notice that? All right. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, then you must be in a coma for the last 30 years. The world is a mess. We see it. We see violence and crime and rape and murder and strife. We see it's a mess. And our lives are not immune from that either. That's not the way it was intended. God created this planet perfect. Could you imagine grabbing a rose without a thorn? No pollution, no crime, no nothing. It was perfect. It was utopia. And the God of heaven walked in the cool of the garden and fellowshiped with his children. Nothing to be ashamed of. Perfect fellowship, harmony, peace. And men and women got along really well too. It's an amazing thing. Everything was in harmony. And then our first parents believed a lie, a terrible lie. And the lie was basically this. This holy, righteous, good God is not good. He is keeping something from you. And, and you're good looking, you're smart, you're everything. You, you could be like God, and He knows that. And Adam and Eve believed the lie of Satan, and they plunged this world into chaos and sin. And we, as their offspring, are sinners by nature, and we are sinners by choice. We could spend time this morning going through the Ten Commandments. It's not a bad exercise. It's God's moral law of perfection. And if we were to do that, and, and maybe we would, since I'm talking about it, you know, just go through a couple of them. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. Don't lust. 
Don't be angry in your heart, right? Because that's like murder. Whether you're on the road, on the 401, in the fast lane, and someone's going really slow, that's murder in your heart, right? The drive through at Tim Hortons, the guy's taking out a bank loan there, that's murder in your heart, right? You've been there. And we can talk about those things. And here's what the law of God does. The law of God exposes all of us. It says, hey, you think you're pretty good. But, let, but listen, let's get off the blaming everybody else and, and concentrating on everybody else train. And let's just for one minute look at ourselves. I don't have to go through the law because you know and I know in our hearts we are sinful people. We lust. We are greedy. We are selfish. We want to do things our own way. It's in there. We know it. And when we stand next to God's perfect standard, we are proclaimed guilty. And the holy, righteous God, and He is, will not stand for your sin or my sin. He will deal with it. And this is the amazing thing about this story. He comes to our world. He steps in it. Why? Why does He, why does he become part of our world? Because this very God of heaven loves rebellious rebels enough to come up with a solution so they can be reconciled back to Him and enjoy fellowship once again. And Jesus steps into our world to, to bring about this reconciliation. He lives a perfect life. He is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And he goes around preaching the kingdom, the reign of God, saying, listen, I know this is wrong, I know it's messed up, but i got news for you. I'm going to make all these things right, and someday God will rule and reign just like in the beginning. And so what does He do? He heals people. He calms storms. He even brings the dead back to life, saying, listen, this is a little taste of what God is going to do. And it's like, this is really good, Lord, it's really good. And then what happens? This plan takes a, a strange twist to us on the outside who look at this and say, wait a minute. If He's so good, if He's so perfect, what's with the cross? How does that happen? It happens because the God of heaven says, I will deal with all sin, I will judge all sin, and there must be a judgment for sin. But because I love mankind so much, I am willing to give myself and provide myself a sacrifice for sin. Some of us this morning we, we think, well, isn't God loving and isn't He kind and isn't He just? And why doesn't He just forgive everybody? The very thing that you're hoping for, His goodness and His justice, is the very thing that will condemn, condemn men and women to hell. Because He is good, because He is just, He will judge all sin. Sometimes we think, well, just forgive everybody because that's what He can do. No, listen, there's always a, someone has to absorb the wrong in forgiveness. If we leave this place afterwards and my car's out here and, and you back into my car and you crush it and say, ah, that's okay. Uh, I'm the pastor. I forgive you. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to say that. But if I said that, all right, don't worry about it. You might be off the hook, but I have to absorb that cost. Somebody has to pay for that. Listen to me. It's not so easy saying, God, forgive them all. What do we do with our sin? What do we do with our guilt? What do we do with this condemnation? We know we have sinned against God. It has to be absorbed. And I'm telling you something this morning. The craziest love story ever, that the God of heaven would invade our world, live a perfect sinless life as the spotless Lamb of God, and come to die for the sins of rebellious creatures. And at Calvary, God's justice 
and mercy intersected on the head of Jesus Christ. And he bore the wrath that you and I deserved. If that was in this story, it would be weird. You're like, okay, wait, some 2,000 years later, almost 2,000 years later, you're worshiping some guy who was a peasant who walked around, oh, he did some good things, and then he died a criminal on, a, on a, an excruciating death of the cross? Yeah, if that was in the story, I agree with you. Forget about it, man. But that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus is the only man in human history who said, if I lay my life down, three days later, I'm getting back up. And he did. And that's what we're testifying this morning. He did. Three days later, by his own divine power, he gets up out of the grave. And it's God's stamp of approval saying, listen, I accept the sacrifice. What he said was true. I am reclaiming everything. And I will provide salvation for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus is alive. And that's why we've gathered here. And listen, because he's alive, You've got to do something about that, man. If he, if, he, if he taught and he preached and he died and that was it, it's okay, forget about it. But if he's on the loose and he's alive today, you've got to deal with that. You've got to do something about that. The Bible says this, all those who repent and believe and call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the life, death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus Christ, we see a God that relentlessly pursues rebellious sinners because, not of us, but of His great name and His great grace. That's the Gospel. That's the Gospel. It is central to all divine revelation. Let me say this to you this morning in closing. Not as it's only central to... In our daily relationships. Some of you folks think that you think the gospel is just the door in, and so when I get that, I'm part of the club, I'm part of the team, so I'm, I'm good, I'm going to move on from that. That's not how it works. The gospel deals with eternity, and the gospel deals with everyday life. When I understand the gospel as a believer this morning, it ought to change me. It ought to transform me. It ought to do something in my life, and people should know about it. An amazing thing in Romans chapter 1, which is really an apologetic for the gospel. The first three chapters, 1, 2, and 3, Paul says, listen, all have sinned. We're all under sin. Verses 4 through 8, he says that all may believe. Verses 9 through, or chapters 9 through 11, he says that all nations can be gathered together on the basis of the gospel. And then, for the last four chapters, 12, 13, 14, 15, no, 16, 5, it's all about the implications of the gospel. For some of us as believers this morning, the gospel should rekindle our hearts. We should fall in love with the Savior. We should be amazed again. But we should remember this. The gospel is not only the means of our salvation uh, or the message for salvation. It is the means of our transformation. It's when I know and understand the gospel that my life begins to really change. The gospel tells me who God is. He is holy. He is good. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said, When I thought uh, God was hard... I found it easy to sin. But when I found God so kind, so good, so overflowing with compassion, I beat my breast to think I could ever have rebelled against one who loves me and who sought my good. 
You see how that transfers over to real life? Because of the gospel, now I see God for who He is. He is good. And it, we should beat upon our breasts when we sin against Him. It shows us who God is. Not only that, it shows us who we are. We are more sinful and flawed than our sin proves. We hide a lot. But we are more loved and accepted than we could ever imagine. And the gospel reminds me as a believer every day that I am a sinner saved by grace. And grace is God's unmerited favor. And if God has showed me that grace, then I in turn, as a believer now of the gospel, should show that grace to other people. I should show it to my wife. That's where the rubber meets the road, fellas. I should show that grace to my children. I should show it to my neighbors and extend it to them. I should show it to other members in the body of Christ who maybe they're not like me. Maybe they're weird. Yeah, they're weird. Some preacher once said, the gospel light attracts a lot of strange bugs. And I think he was, I know he was right. You know what we learned? We learn how to love people that are unlike us. That's grace. It's not this army of clones that are all the same. That is very artistic. He makes a lot of strange things sometimes. And that grace should be extended to them. That grace should be extended to our enemies, Jesus says. It tells us who we are. The gospel tells us who Jesus is, the lover of my soul, the one who ransomed me from the marketplace of sin. I am to be his disciple. That means I, he's my master and I should pattern my life after him. I should be a man or a woman of integrity. I should tell the truth. I should be kind and compassionate. I should do good. That's the gospel. And the gospel reminds me this morning of who I am now. I am loved, accepted, forgiven, cleansed, washed. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm a child of God. And because of the gospel this morning, guess what? I don't have to continually beat myself up from sin to the past. Some of you folks, you think it's, it's spiritual to keep on bringing up the past and beating yourself up. That is not the gospel. The gospel says we are free in Jesus Christ. I don't have to bear the shame and the guilt. I can shake that off now because He has forgiven me and cleansed me. I am not who I used to be. I don't have to find my worth and my value from somebody or something. I'm this endless pursuit of stuff or being accepted by the right crowd. Forget that nonsense. I don't need it. I am accepted in the beloved today. I'm a child of God. The gospel changes everything, man. It changes everything. And this morning, listen to me. God has spoken. God is speaking. And you are confronted with the gospel. For some of you, you've got to decide this morning, what are you going to do with it? You've heard it. You know. The Spirit of God has convicted you. In your heart, you know that it's true. It's right. Jesus died for you. What are you going to do about it? Because you have to answer to Him. And then for those of us who know Jesus Christ this morning, I encourage you, I beg you, allow the gospel of Christ to permeate your heart and your mind daily because it will transform God's people into trophies of grace. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. His Son. Jesus Christ is the exact imprint of God. God in the flesh. You want to know what God's like? You look to Jesus Christ. You look to Christ. And the message of Christ is that 
Jesus came to reconcile men and women back to God. He did it through his life. And so this morning, if you're here as a guest, as a friend, you have someone who's been here for a long time, and you say, Pastor, I'm here. Ah, the gospel, I, I know, I hear it, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I can't say that I've been born again by the Spirit of God. I can't say that I'm saved. I can't say that I'm really a child. I don't know. I'd like to know that, but I don't know that. My friend, if you're here like that this morning, listen, we'd love to take a Bible and show you from God's Word how to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. The greatest love story ever told. You can be part of it. You can be part of it. And for, I believe, the majority this morning, we know Jesus Christ. We claim His name. We're thankful that we've been washed in His blood. For many of us this morning, we better let the gospel sink in because it hasn't, it hasn't done the work, and it's not the gospel's fault. We've not meditated, we've not taken it in, we've not thought about it, we don't, we don't daily preach it to ourselves, because the gospel will transform every individual. And so the quietness of this moment, listen, with our heads bowed, if you're a believer, I want you to, to meditate just about the gospel, on who God is and what he's done and who you are. And my friend, if you don't know Christ as Savior today, listen, come and find me. I'd love to take the Bible today and show you from God's word how to know him.